It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. The show's available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, Podbean, Stitcher, whatever you like. Or, if you don't like scrolling through uh, clunky phone podcast apps, you can always ask your smart device like Siri, Alexa, or Google Home, play podcast Locked On Vikings. And today is Crossover Wednesday. I have Landon McCool on the line. He is from Locked On Cowboys. He is going to explain the Dallas Cowboys to me. Uh, I'm not very familiar with them going into this interview, so we'll see. And that is coming up in a minute. But first, a quick hit of news uh, that we have to talk about. The Eagles released hashtag old friend uh, Andrew Sandejo. And that may not matter to you because you might not be interested in hashtag old friend news, uh, to which I say lame and boo. But it actually does also affect the Vikings because it probably means that they lose out on a seventh round compensatory pick. Uh, the way that the formula worked out, uh, Andrew Sandejo was netting the Vikings a seventh round compensatory pick uh, and costing the Eagles a fourth round compensatory pick. So it made sense why they basically kept him all the way up until the, uh, the ninth game of their season and then released him so that they could get their fourth round compensatory pick back. That's a little bit more important than the Vikings, uh, you know, costing the Vikings a seventh. So uh, the jerks that they are released Andrew Sandejo. I doubt that he comes back to Minnesota, but either way, it's something that is going to maybe affect a conversation we have way down the road. There's also a little bit of Adam Thielen injury news. Uh, it seems that his re-aggravation of the hamstring injury in Kansas City didn't actually make the injury worse, uh, but it sounds like the injury was already worse than the Vikings had thought, and they probably shouldn't have put him out there anyways. He felt it pulling and tightening up, and they shut him down after out of an abundance of caution, which is probably the right way to handle that. So while it's a little bit relieving that their actions in Kansas City didn't cost more Adam Thielen games, it's also disappointing that there were more Adam Thielen games that he's going to miss than we originally thought. Tom Pelissero said that they're they're erring on the side of caution and also mentioned that there are only two weeks until the bye, which suggests that he might think Adam Thielen might be shut down not only for this game in Dallas, but for the next game against Denver. All of that remains to be seen, and we'll obviously watch the injury reports like a hawk, but for now, if I were a betting man, I would place money on Adam Thielen being out until after the bye and then being fresh for an extremely important December run. So with that news out of the way, let's get Landon McCool on the line and start with Locked On Cowboys. All right, I am here with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys. How's it going, man? It's going great. I'm excited to be on here with you. Usually we have my other half on here doing these, but uh, I thought I'd switch it up and uh, speak to uh, Vikings fans. We we don't get to, to speak to each other very often as Cowboys and Vikings fans. It feels like a not not despite there being a lot of history between our two teams there there we don't see each other as often as it seems like we should yeah been a long time since the 70s i guess huh yeah okay, well i guess for all of us <laughs> yeah so i i guess the way that we're going to do this is uh we'll start out with you just asking me about the vikings and i'll kind of explain the vikings to you and the cowboys listeners and then uh we'll go the reverse and uh i'll ask you to explain the cowboys to all of my beautiful beautiful vikings listeners so uh, hit me what do you got well, first off, uh, I, I watched the uh, the Kansas City Vikings game last uh, Sunday, um, and 
I, I think you know, as a Cowboys fan, you're you're kind of watching the game to to to, or as a, someone who's watching who's watching a team that they're about to play, you're you're watching the see what kind of offense they have, what kind of defense they have, and then you're you're seeing if there's going to be anybody who could potentially be missing. And I think obviously, when you look at this, to me, the thing that really stuck out is that it looks like Adam Thielen may be uh, not available for you guys with yep. with the hamstring injury. And Thielen is such a fantastic receiver for you guys. Um, I guess my first question is, if there is no Adam Thielen, what does that mean for the Vikings passing attack? And, and what has that looked like for you guys in the past when you've been missing either Thielen or Diggs, who are both you know, equally adept, it seems like? Yeah, so I I, uh, I watched Monday night against the Giants uh, with the exact same eye, but I also yeah. had money on the Cowboys minus seven, so also was watching Ooh. for that. But um, <laughs> So uh, mybookie.ag, the promo code locked on. Uh, but the, yeah, so with Diggs and Thielen, when they're both on the field, it's really, really difficult to cover both of them because, you I mean, when you have a team that has just one receiver, and like as a Cowboys fan, you're probably, you've seen this before, you know, in the years when they had like Des Bryant and nobody else, or even mm-hmm. go way back to the years when it was like Michael Irvin, and if there was nobody else kind of supplanting him, you could double him, you could bracket him, you could kind of do things to scheme around it. Or if you had a good enough cornerback, like I Patriots and Stefan Gilmore is the first one that comes to my mind. You can kind of find ways to scheme around and shut down that one player and then kind of, you know, make the the opponent beat you with the rest of the offense. But when there's both of them out there, it gets really, really difficult to do that. So th- that's presented a whole bunch of problems. And, and it gives, you know, the Vikings have been able to get one-on-one looks with Diggs and or Thielen when they're both on the field with a lot of consistency. You get them one-on-one with a corner and go let them win on a good route. Uh, but without Thielen, there has been they, the offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, with the help and advice of Gary Kubiak, who's in an advisory role. Uh, they've actually done a pretty good job of getting uh, Diggs, you know, some some decent looks. You know, he missed the the Washington game. He got some looks there. He got open a ton against the Chiefs, although Kirk Cousins was having issues with his uh, deep field vision. So he didn't get the targets that you would expect, but he was getting those same one-on-one looks and those deep opportunities. And it's just a matter of the Vikings having to iron out some communication stuff so that we actually hit him. Um, but yeah, no, it makes it like a lot easier to kind of account for all the skill players when one of the best ones isn't out there. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Yeah, and and when when the off season came and and it looked like uh you guys were going to get uh, Dalvin Cook back 
it was I wasn't exactly sure exactly what this offense was going to look like because uh, you know we had seen we had seen what Cook had been in college and we had seen um, you know some of of what he could do in the pros but obviously he hadn't been quite fully unleashed yet uh, but I, you and you mentioned uh, uh, Kubiak and his him being brought in as kind of a uh, what is this title like run game coordinator or is he just an offensive uh, guru or, or or hired hand. It's, uh, it's it assistant is. head coach slash, I think, like offensive advisor or something like that. Love it. It's basically I, 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 just a I, consultant. I love when they fi- when they find special titles for consultants. I think it's always funny. The, yeah, Brad the titles Childress, that they Brad give us. Oh yeah, yeah. We've we've got a, the passing defense coordinator, which is you know that's completely made up. Um, but I, I guess I wanted to get, get into like. Dalvin Cook has been amazing this year so far, and, and and really, it's it's kind of what a lot of us expected from him coming out of college, uh, and and it kind of finally, you know, it all falling into place. And I guess that was my question: is is this a, a case of it being a new system with Kubiak who brings in the wide zone system, which obviously has a lot of success with white, with running backs across the board. Just with with if you're good at it, you're good at it. You you see the bend you know, bounce reads and you, and you can run it. Is it that, is it the health? Is it both? What is the secret to the resurgence of Dalvin cook in this offense? Yeah. So uh, it's a lot of it is Kubiak and, and, you know, Gary Kubiak has done a great job of getting all of these offensive linemen, some young offensive linemen, some experienced ones and some like much maligned ones on the same page and in the right place all the time. And, you know, sometimes they're asked to do like difficult blocks, like reach blocks and stuff. Yeah. Um, but largely they're in the right place and you have Dalvin Cook who I I have called him the smartest runner in the league because he I mean if you look at like his combine he isn't the most dynamic athlete in the way of like Saquon Barkley I mean, he's a good athlete he's a running back but he isn't Saquon Barkley or even like Ezekiel Elliott where he'll juke somebody at your you know the old Adrian Peterson days where he'll jump jump cut somebody out of their shoes he's much more of a cerebral runner I guess he 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 makes the right read very often I mean he does not misread plays very often uh, but he also is really has very tight footwork and that means you know his his feet are very fast and choppy and it makes it really easy for him to employ very subtle changes of direction to like lure defenders to the wrong side of a block so you know if you're if he's running behind an offensive lineman who's blocking a defender he'll kind of shade one way to get that defender onto that blocker's like shoulder on that side and then it's pretty easy for him to kind of cut back the other way. And then suddenly the block is better than when it started. And he's really good at helping out his offensive lineman, you know, doing that. And then, of course, he has, you know, that second gear to speed once he gets into the second level. And the speed to the edge has also been phenomenal. The Vikings kind of like live and die on their outside zone. They're like wide zone plays. So depending on how your edge rushers are against that kind of outside zone, that that has like a lot to do with how well you'll be able to kind of defend this run game. But the Vikings have also employed a lot of like uh, box tactics, I guess is the the term I'd use where I mean, teams are loading the box against them now, right? Because everybody knows that the secret about Dalvin Cook is out. Uh, so they've done a lot of stuff with like motion and just kind of little subtleties and Garrett Bradbury, the first round center, who's really good at reach blocks can kind of count in the hat count for both sides. Even if the, you know, the defender is on the the shoulder, you don't want him to be on. He can kind of get across the defender's face, get the block. And then suddenly the hat counts better. Um, and employing all of that stuff has given the Vikings more favorable looks than you would think. And so the Vikings have actually run into a lot of like eight, seven man boxes mm-hmm. and had more success than you would think because they're kind of like the, the eight man box is a lie. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's we, the Cowboys had a similar uh, success improvement when we got Travis Frederick. Uh, and and I yeah being able to ma- uh, change that box count on either side by having a center who can cut it in half and and reach the reach those guys that normally centers can't it really is a huge boon to your run game. Um, I, I feel I feel remiss if if we did all this and we only did one question, but I only had time for one about the incredible Vikings defense. I'm a huge fan. The D is absolutely loaded uh, at, at all three levels of of the defense. Uh, great pass rushers, uh, fantastic linebackers, and, and and two maybe one of the best safety combos in the league right now. Um, but I I feel like watching the team that one area where they have disappointed a little bit at least this season seems to be at their cornerback position. Um, yep. Xavier Rhodes seems to have had uh, a little bit of some issues with with hip injuries as well as well as some uh, just and I and I don't know if that's contributing to his on the field play as well as he's battling through that, but he seems to have uh, been collecting penalties lately. Um, talk to me a little bit about the state of the Vikings cornerback uh, 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 group. Is that a spot that if you weren't a Vikings fan that you would be looking to attack? And if not, where else on this defense is there a hole that the Cowboys should be looking to attack? Yeah, I, I think that so the corner position has been a huge issue. Yeah, you're dead on there. Um, and and the issue with Xavier Rhodes specifically, um, which uh, you know we've been talking about a ton over on Locked On Vikings, is mm. mostly mental. I mean, he's in good shape. I don't think he's on the injury report as all at all. He's healthy. He does kind of have a propensity to like limp off the field for a play or two. And some people think that that's like him, you know, making an excuse for when he gets beat. But I don't think it's that. I think he just is like fragile in terms of soft tissue. But he then he you know walks it off and can play through it. Um, But no, I don't think it's like uh, an injury related thing. I think it's a mental thing. Uh, Right now, he's really deep in his own head. He's uh, being coached to play a lot of over top, a lot of, you know, uh, prevent the deep ball kind of coverage. Uh, But he's also left like one on one very often. And he's told to prioritize the deep ball because obviously you don't want to get torched down the field for a big, long touchdown. But teams are kind of uh, latching onto that. And in the last couple of weeks, both teams have actually gotten big completions on him just running a hitch at him you know, run 10 yards, get him to flip his hips, turn around and have a good curl. And it's a free first down. So that has been an issue that I think, you know, they're like coaching wise and schematically they're trying to fix. Um, I don't think that Xavier Rhodes is like executing his assignments particularly poorly. I think that right now the scheme is putting him in a tough spot and uh, he isn't being asked to do the same like press man, you know, physical uh, you know, use the sideline style cornerback play that he's usually been asked to do. I think he's being asked to do a much more difficult job uh, and and it's not really working out. The other interesting thing is that usually they have Xavier Rhodes shadow uh, the other team's best receiver. Like they had uh, Rhodes shadow Des Bryant last time these two teams met or, you know, the Julio Jones or whatever on the other team, Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hasn't been doing that this year. They've been playing more sides. So Xavier Rhodes just lines up on the right side, takes whichever wide receiver the offensive coordinator wants to put on him. So if I'm Jason Garrett and, you know, the offensive staff on the Cowboys, yeah, I'm absolutely, you know, asking myself, okay, who runs the best underneath routes? Maybe it's even like Randall Cobb or whatever, uh, you know, or, or maybe it's Gallup. Maybe it is still just Cooper. And I'm going to run those at Xavier Rhodes, try to get him fearing that deep ball. And, uh, you know, win with some of those intermediate and like underneath routes to get, you know, seven, eight yard chunks all the time. 
Um, and the other hole that I would probably point to is the interior of the defensive line. Uh, Linval Joseph's a great run stopper, especially in short yardage situations. He's still the same guy that we all kind of know him to be. Um, but Shamar Stefan, who is playing mostly at three technique right now, is kind of like having a second nose tackle there. And they've actually been having some issues generating pressure off the interior without blitzing. The blitz packages are pretty insane. And they've been confusing the crap out of a whole bunch of quarterbacks. So that's still like they've been able to generate plenty of pressure. And of course, Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter are having ungodly seasons, both of them on the edge. They're both having career years right now. So they haven't had trouble generating pressure, period, but it's all coming off the edge. And that's something that you can kind of scheme for, especially if you have a mobile quarterback like Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's 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 really been a lot of as as someone who loves Offensive line and defensive line play, it's been fantastic watching Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffith this year. I mean, I think they have, what is it, 14 sacks between the two of them, something like that? I mean, it's totally ridiculous. Uh, All right, Luke, uh, let's let's get to the other side. I know you've got some questions to to, uh, ask me about the Cowboys. I hopefully will provide you with answers, though I'm sure... Uh, nobody on the cowboy side will like any of my answers because no one ever likes any of my answers. See. So <laughs> fire, fire away. And let's disappoint a bunch of Cowboys fans. Let's disappoint. I would love to disappoint some Cowboys fans. this weekend. <laughs> um. <laughs> hey guys, back with all the Cowboys info in just a sec, but first treat yourself to the meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash right now. Our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code locked on. So, uh, uh, the first place I want to talk about is where the Vikings have probably had the biggest issue is on the interior line uh, with Pat Elfline and Garrett Bradbury and pass protection and specifically with like penetrating three technique defensive tackles. Guys like Grady Jarrett, Chris Jones got the better of them last week. Uh, Kenny Clark had a huge game. So who is that guy on the Cowboys and how do you feel about the season that he's had so far? Well, it's definitely Malik Collins is the guy. Uh, and I felt like as a pass rusher, he's had a pretty good season. And and if, if you're concerned about specifically uh, pass rushing, penetrating three technique, then, then you know, uh, th- that could be a concern for you guys. The, the issue for him has been maintaining his run fits. So uh, there might be some way for you guys to exploit him in the wide zone game. Um, you know, just b- because he can't, he does tend to get blocked if if he once he is blocked. Um, so uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel there. Uh, but if, if it gets into a passing game, you know, they have Malik Collins, and then you know we just unleashed this last uh, last last night uh, Michael Bennett, who who got uh, came over in the trade, and he definitely will be playing a lot of. Uh, three technique. Uh, yeah, they do kind of a NASCAR package, which includes, uh, uh, you know, Bennett, uh, uh, Malik Collins in the middle, and then with uh, Quinn and Lawrence on the outside. Uh, it, it, it's it it seemed to be pretty formidable last night at different points. They will also at times put someone like Bennett on the outside with Quinn and knock DeMarcus Lawrence in as a three technique, which again would, would probably fall under the category of something to watch out for as far as penetrating interior defenders. Um, Generally, you know, Rod Marinelli likes to rotate these guys uh, not only in snaps, but in spots. So he'll move people up and down the lines. You'll see a whole bunch of stunts, twists, games. That's that's a big part of their game. They don't like to blitz a lot uh, because they are pretty good at get at winning one on one battles in the pass rushing game. Uh, so there will be a lot of movement. Uh, and, and so you, I mean, not only are your guys inside going to need to worry about the penetrating three techniques, the Bennett's, the Collins, uh, 
uh, Lawrence occasionally, but also on top of that, the movement on the outside coming inside from a like a Lawrence, a Quinn, those guys twisting and, and TE stunts and even pirate stunts coming all the way around. Uh, so lots of movement up front. Uh, that's real scary. De- De- Demarcus Lawrence versus Pat Elfline is not a matchup that I would like to see very often. Um, yeah, I, I understand. He's, he's, he's a pretty bad matchup for most for most offensive tackles, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so on the back end of the Cowboys defense, um, you know, how... I, I guess I don't have a lot of familiarity with that that Cowboys back end. Right now, the Vikings are using a lot of shot plays and a lot of flood plays, um, but their arsenal seems kind of, they've got a lot of tricks that have worked really, really well, but they've been running a lot of the same thing over and over again. So it's like screen, rollout, shot play, and then, you know, some of the more standard passing fare that you would see like mixed in there, but like rollout screens and and shot plays with like burner concepts, you know, deep posts down the field have been a huge thing. So what kind of scheme do have the Cowboys been running here? And like, what's their like classic, you know, like staple shell coverage and, and how has it been working out? You know, they're, they're a, t- a typical Seattle cover one, cover three team. Um, you know, that they'll have, uh, I mean, that's not all that they'll do, but that's obviously the, the majority of their coverages, I would say. Um, we have, we have a good safety in Xavier Woods, who's starting to make a name for himself. He definitely did Monday, uh, who has, you know, they, he was a huge star in training camp, uh, kind of had a slow start to the season, but is, is starting to really take on that role of, of a playmaking safety in the back end. Um, the, the spot that, that, that the Cowboys, fandom is kind of most concerned with is that other safety, that strong safety spot. There's a guy named Jeff Heath who's been playing that position for the Cowboys for the last three or four years, I think. Um, And he's kind of the guy, and I'm not sure who the Vikings equivalent of is, uh, that is constantly being you know, replaced by Cowboys fandom. I'm basically just, you know, no matter what, (laughs) it's kind of like enemy. Gotta find a way to replace Heath, you know, and and, and the, the ironic Anderson Dejo. Hey, I heard he just became available. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess if they didn't like him the first time when they cut him before he went to the Vikings uh, and got He's really good, I, I, back. I, yeah, I, I I don't know. The Cowboys really blew it with that, frankly, when they let him go in the first place. Um, but <laughs> I, I I think uh, you know likely what's going to happen is that they, they they what they do really like are the guys underneath them. Um, They've got Darian Thompson, who played for the Giants a little uh, for a season, was a starter for them uh, from Boise State. He actually has played very well in limited play for the Cowboys. Uh, there's another kid named Donovan Wilson from Texas A&M that they're really high on that that may get some snaps as well. Uh, but mostly the, you know, the the three main guys uh, 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 that you need to uh, that are the playmakers or or the the top end players in the back end of this defense: Xavier Woods, Byron Jones, and then you know. Uh, Jordan uh, Lewis has really come in and, and taken over that nickel role. He's the one who ended up getting that uh, uh, scoop and score at the end. Uh, and they, yeah, he's he's inside. He's he's a, he's, a, he's a nickel corner mostly. And then they have uh, 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 Shadobi Awuze who plays the other corner. Awuze seems to be the one who gets the most targets because just it doesn't feel like anybody's throwing the ball at Byron Jones very much. Uh, so you'll see Awuze as. Uh, kind of on the tail end a lot of these passes he, he he is usually at least very competitive with the ball in the air so he will challenge the the ball if it's there uh but i think that is the guy who uh if if they're trying to get digs isolated on somebody they definitely don't want to do it on byron jones they're probably going to try to find a way to get it uh get him on uh Awuzie. 
That's cool, the the contested catch thing, because like Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill, even though they're both not like huge box out type receivers, have been like two of the best contested catch receivers in the league for sure. the last few years. Um, but let's flip to the other side of the ball real quick while we still have some time, um, because I, I guess I want to know um, kind of to what I talked about earlier with the Vikings and uh, how they aren't having Xavier Rhodes shadowed the same way anymore. You know, we're pretty familiar with like Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott's having an MVP season and, you know, kind of the way that uh, like that offensive line is regarded. Of course, it's still Travis Frederick and all those guys. Um, But in terms of how you would attack the Vikings, if they do continue to play sides, and I'm super fascinated to see if they'll still play sides or if they'll have Rhodes shadow Cooper. But who would you put Cooper on? Xavier Rhodes is a more classic bump and run like type corner. Uh, whereas Trey Waynes is better at press man, but he is uh, still probably most comfortable going up against like the burner types, you know, the fast, I always call him the Ted Ginn counter. Um, so what would you do with Amari Cooper? How Does he line up in the slot? Would you want to get him lined up in the slot against like Mackenzie Alexander? Or like, how would you, if you were Jason Garrett, use Amari Cooper to try to take advantage of like those kinds of corners? Yeah, I mean, I think that they like to get Cooper moving around. Um, and just to kind of see what, you know, what they can get matchup wise. Um, you know, honestly, I, I think there's, uh, there's opportunities for him, uh, against Rhodes. I mean, I heard when you were talking about running underneath routes and, you know, dig, uh, you know, uh, slants and that sort of thing. I mean, I think that's where both Cooper and Gallup, I think really excel at that. Uh, I think Gallup at this point is a really good kind of, uh, I mean, we used to call it the Alvin Harper role where, I mean, uh, you know, the kind of the, the he, he goes deep, he's good at down the field. He's also good at, uh, the short routes that come off of the, the, the kind of constraints to the, the nine routes, you know, the stop routes, the, the, the digs, you know, he's been really good at those too. I, I honestly don't know that, um, you know, that they will, uh, specifically try to you know spend the whole game game planning on or trying to get matchups i i think they'll probably just try to put people in position to create space through scheme and not really be concerned about which specific cornerback will be on them because i i do feel like at this point without Rhodes playing like the way that he has previously in previous seasons I don't know that there's like a a specific cornerback that is any better or any worse for the Cowboys to try to match him up with, if that makes sense. I think it's more likely that they'll just try to generally attack the cornerback position, get the ball out of their hands quickly uh, and see if they can get Cooper or Gallup or, you know, Cobb the ball uh, on the run and see if they can break tackles and and make hay that way. Um, I, I just think that, you know, there's the Cowboys have really good pass protection i think it's going to be a fantastic matchup between y'all's pass rush and our pass blocking but at the same time i don't know that the cowboys want to live or die by having to spend a whole bunch of time in the pocket waiting for plays down the field to develop i think it's much more likely that the cowboys will try their best to uh attack outside quickly with the quick passing game see if they can get something going that way and see if uh, they can get some of their playmakers to break tackles uh create big plays that way and then hopefully that will make the defense adjust and then the Cowboys will kind of make the defense pick their poison and then go from there. 
Yeah, the Vikings are definitely like willing to oblige that kind of strategy. They they have all season preferred to kind of commit to preventing more deep passes and giving up more underneath stuff and kind of, uh, you know, trying to come up and make tackles. And that's how they try to like suffocate you out uh, and just playing a lot of quarters. And then, of course, you know, with the edge pressure coming in, that's worked pretty well. So a lot of teams, you know, that try to be deep passing teams uh, will kind of leave it up to just, you know, what happens at the catch point. Uh, which has been hit or miss. And some teams like the Eagles tried this and they kind of got smoked and and Washington tried this and they kind of got smoked where, you know, they would just like accept, you know, six yards a pop, but then eventually, you know, you'd get them behind the sticks and they can't rely on that. And then things would kind of fall apart. So it'll all be really interesting. Uh, What do you have for a prediction right now? I think the line is Dallas minus three. Uh, What are you thinking? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I I really don't know. I think it could be a coin flip. I mean, um, th- these are both two very good teams. I, I think the Cowboys are... What's difficult to know at, t- at this point with the Cowboys is which, which Cowboys are going to show up and win. You yeah, know, the I Jets think the Cowboys are the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, with the Jets, it was a lot of bad circumstance that they let roll downhill on them. With the Giants, you know, they had a similar bad start with a lot of things going going, you know, poorly, but they stuck with it and they let their talent win out. And I think that that's what ended up kind of it, it all kind of homogenized at the end, and talent won through at the end of the Giants game. I don't think that the Cowboys are going to have that same luxury with the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings are too talented to kind of allow the Cowboys to have a a slow start and then kind of uh, you know try to figure out figure it out later. I mean, not, not that they can't win that way, but I, I just think it would be more difficult. I, I think that the Cowboys win, um, but I think it will be – I think that's because they're playing at home, and I think it will still be an incredibly close game all the way to the end. Uh, but I honestly think at this point, these are two talented teams. This this could be a coin flip game. Yeah, I'm, I'm in, in a similar spot where I think that both these teams are good. I still very much believe in the Vikings, although a lot of the uh, the listener base is – ready to jump ship because they just lost a game and that's how hey. you know, things get pretty apocalyptic. Um, <laughs> hey, and, we just won it. We just won a game. And the that's, Cowboys that's a runaway winner in the NFC East right now. So yeah. that like, it's going to be very difficult. It's a road game. It's prime time. And we all know the narratives about prime time. Kirk cousins that tend to bear out, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but you know, all those things said, if it is even my default is, you know, pick the home team. Uh, and I don't know if it's quite even. I think I still give Dallas a slight edge on a neutral field. Uh, but with the home field advantage, I still definitely would pick Dallas. I don't think if I if I were to wager, I'd probably wager on Dallas to cover, though. I think it's much more of a push at Dallas minus three. Um, but in terms of outright winning the game, like I wouldn't recommend you go bet the the Vikings money line here. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I, I mean, I could I feel your pain on the, the the Vikings fans jumping off the bandwagon after a loss. I mean we've oh, got Cowboys fans we've got Cowboys fans jumping off the bandwagon after we won. So uh, yeah, I I can definitely understand that. It'll be a great game no matter what on Sunday, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, two of the better teams in the NFC uh, in a in a game that will definitely have playoff consequences battling it out on Sunday night. Should be a fr- a fun primetime battle. Thank you guys so much for listening to this Crossover Wednesday episode of Locked on Vikings. Of course, you can find this show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts or just ask your smart device. Play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow with a much more in-depth conversation about the Dallas Cowboys. Until then, as always, skull.
Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.